we're going to look at a passage in the Gospel of Mark today uh, where Jesus blesses little children. But I, in preparation for that, kind of an introduction, I want to ask this question. What is God like? How do we know what God is like? If you were to uh, have lived in the time that Jesus lived, here's what you would have discovered. There was Romans and Greeks and Jews primarily, and that was the major uh, groups. And uh, for the Romans and the Greeks, their idea of the gods were that gods were just like the most selfish humans. Their gods were cruel. They were capricious. They loved to pull pranks on people. They loved to punish people. They, they, were, they were horrible gods. If you've done any Greek or Roman mythology and you study about Zeus and Juno and all these kinds of gods and goddesses, they were just like a bunch of spoiled brats. And that's the way people thought of the gods in that day. The Romans and the Greeks, they thought of the gods as uh, just like us, only worse. They had all of our worst qualities and they would pout and they would lose their temper. And when they'd lose their temper, they'd just go into some kind of tantrum and just throw lightning bolts and all kinds of stuff and punish people on earth. And in order to keep them happy, you had to make sacrifices. You had to, to go to their temples and you had to do this and that. And if you would do everything that pleased them, then maybe if they were in a good mood... They would bless you and they would see that your crops would grow and your cattle would have lots of calves and things like that. But if they weren't in a good mood or if you did something to make them mad, you could be sure they were going to get you. And they lived in constant fear. The people, the Greeks and the Romans, lived in constant fear that they could never, ever, ever do anything enough to keep the gods happy. Well, the Jews were a little bit different. The Jews actually, uh, they had had some revelation of the true and the living God. God had revealed himself through mighty acts that he did and through words that he had given and through prophets that he had sent. But even the Jewish people had gotten to a place where the, the Jewish leaders especially had gotten to this idea that God was one who played favorites, that God favored the Jews, but also they had the idea that you still had to earn that favor, that you had to keep his commandments, you had to live in such a way, and if you could keep God happy, he had blessed you. They had this idea that you get what you deserve. So if you, uh, if you live right and do right, you'd get blessed. But if you didn't, then you'd get cursed. And so the question was, what is God really like? Now, by the way, we still ask that question today. What is God like? How would you, how would you describe God? If you were to go out here and ask a hundred people out on the street, what is God like? What kind of answers would you probably get? What do you think you'd get? Most people would say kind of some things about God. What would it be? Angry. Angry. All right. God is. In fact, I asked a group of children one time. I said, I want you to, to show me with your face 
how you think God looks at us. If you could look at heaven and you saw God, how would God be looking at you? Now, these were like, uh, these were actually like five-year-olds. These were children, little children. And every one of them made an angry face. Every one of them. There were, wasn't but about eight, but uh, that was still every one of them. They all looked like that. You know, looked like, looked like daddy looks when he gets mad, you know. Or maybe like mama looks when she gets mad. That's even worse a lot of times. And, uh, and they just all made this angry face. And I said, why isn't anybody smiling? Do you think God is angry? And they apparently thought so. So, yes, I think a lot of people would say, yeah, I think what God is like, he's angry. What else? Powerful. What? Powerful. Powerful. All right. They would emphasize, they'd say God can do anything and that might be a positive, but it actually could be a negative too, couldn't it? All right, what else? What? That's sad, that God is sad. Maybe he, he's uh, not angry, he's just sad that everything's such a mess, all right? Uh, anything, any other? All right, that God is love. All right. What? Disappointed, all right, disappointed. And actually... My wife got the right answer, I think, that God is love. Now, all those other things, we probably can find some Bible verses to kind of indicate that maybe uh, maybe there are times God is disappointed, that God is angry, that God is disciplining us, that God is sad. But the predominant picture of God in the Bible, now I know somebody said, well, but, but God is holy. That would be, that's maybe the most dominant picture. But when the Bible, when Jesus came to describe God to us, he said, God loves you. God is for you. He's not against you. He's, he's on your side. He wants the best for you. And most people in that day, and I think most people today, really feel like that God has some kind of standard and he's saying, okay, try your best and if you fail, I'm going to bonk you on the head and if you can succeed, if you can reach the standard, then I'll bless you and things will go well for you. Well, Jesus came to dispel all the false ideas about God. He came to show us what God is really like. In the book of Hebrews, I think the very opening verses of Hebrews, it says that God spoke in many different times, many different ways through the prophets and other things. But in these last days, God has clearly spoken to us through his son. He has told us exactly what God is like. Listen to this passage in John. Uh, If you want to put this on the screen That would be John chapter 17, verses 25 and 26. John 17, verse 25 and 26. Jesus is praying, and he says, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. He's talking about his disciples. They know you've sent me. Because I have made known to them 
your name, your character, who you are. And I will continue to make it known that in order that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. When Jesus came, he said, Father, I know you. I, I have your very character. When people see me, they see you. And I have come to make you known to them. And I will continue to make you known. So Jesus said to, uh, talking to his disciples in the upper room, Philip said to him, when Jesus said, I, I'm going to the Father the way you know. And, and Philip said, well, Jesus, just show us the Father. And we'll be satisfied. Just show us the Father. We want to see God. And Jesus said, Philip, have I been have I been with you this long? And you don't you still don't get it? Look at me. And when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because I and the Father are one. So you want to know what God is like? Well, you look at Jesus. And I'm telling you, when Jesus came into this world, he was a radical revolutionary in his day. No wonder people either loved him or hated him. Because when Jesus came into this world, he came to declare something that had never been declared by any person before. He came to show not just what God is like, but whom God likes. Jesus went about and he did not appeal to the self-righteous. He did not appeal to the religious elite. He did not appeal to the politically powerful, he did not appeal to the wealthy aristocrats. He went immediately to those who were pushed to the edge. And you see Jesus going to people that nobody else would go to. This is an amazing thing. We usually, I mean, a lot of times we miss this, even today as we study the Bible. For instance, there was a group of people who were lepers. They were the outcasts uh, physically and socially more than anybody else. And we find Jesus repeatedly in the New Testament approaching lepers. And he not only would associate with them, the Bible said he would actually touch them. Nobody touched lepers. But Jesus touched them, and actually the word for touch, when it talks about Jesus touching the lepers, is not the word for touch, it's the word for embrace. Can you imagine a man who has had leprosies, even in a colony of lepers perhaps, he has not had the gentle touch, the loving touch of a wife, a child, a friend, a neighbor, for ever since he had leprosy, and he comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, come here. And he wraps his arms around him. 
and he hugs him. And then he heals him. And here in the biblical days, if a man touched a leper, he became unclean. But with Jesus, when he touched a leper, his purity made them clean. His grace made them clean. And Jesus did that. But not only lepers, he went to those who were socially outcast in the way of prostitutes, uh, harlots, and people that nobody else would have anything to do with. Jesus would actually seek these people out and express to them the love of a holy father who said, I don't condemn you. Go and stop sinning. And he also went, I mean, women, just women in general. Ladies, if I were a woman, I would just worship Jesus even if I wasn't a Christian. (laughs) Because women in the day in which Jesus lived, they had no voice. They could not even testify in a court of law. They were definitely considered far, far below the uh, 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 men. And they were treated not as second-class citizens, but like fourth-class citizens. And yet when we read the Gospels, especially the Gospel of Luke, we find Jesus just constantly elevating the status of women and saying that they are on the same level as far as value, worth, dignity as men. And that doesn't sound revolutionary to us today. But I guarantee you in Jesus' day, that was an absolute stunning Stunning message. And then uh, the whole culture in Jesus' day was built on a slave economy. There were more slaves in the Roman Empire than there were Roman citizens. That's amazing, isn't it? And the thing about slaves were treated with zero dignity. And Jesus comes and basically says all people stand on equal footing before God. And there is no, in God's eyes, there are no masters and slaves. There are no Jews and Gentiles. There is just people. And he loves people. And then, of course, there was another group of folks who were the tax collectors. Now, we sometimes think of just the IRS or something like that. That's not what he's talking about when he talks about tax collectors, publicans. These were people who had basically sold out their uh, their own community. They worked for the Roman government, and they would be given the opportunity to collect taxes, but they also could set the rate of the taxes. And the Roman government would say, we want 8% of the income of the people, but we'll pay you whatever you extort above that. So they might say, well, we'll charge 20%. We'll give the government their 8%. We'll keep 12%. And they were wealthy, 
and they were despised. And uh, we have, for instance, one of the disciples of Jesus. His name was Levi or Matthew. And when Jesus called him, the Bible says he was a tax collector. And I can just imagine Peter and James and John, the other disciples, as they go with Jesus and they look over and they see this tax collector and they're all sticking their tongue out at him and they're thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and Jesus stops and says, uh, Levi, come, follow me. And I imagine the disciples must have thought, what? You want him to join our group? And then Jesus says, in fact, I want to go home and eat dinner with you. And I guess Peter probably would have said, I ain't going. Jesus said, yeah, we're going to go. We're going to go. And then he goes, and to make matters worse, Matthew calls a bunch of his other tax collector friends to come and join him. And they all sit around. I just love to have been a fly on the wall and just seen how the other disciples were looking. They didn't get it yet. And then he, of course, you remember the little short guy, Zacchaeus, that climbed up in the tree, another tax collector. Jesus just seemed to enjoy showing his affection, his grace, his mercy, his love to the people that didn't fit. And that encourages me. That encourages me because I didn't fit. We don't, none of us fit automatically. And those who think they fit, like the Pharisees, Jesus gave them a fit. Jesus said to them, you are like whitewashed tombs. You've made yourself all pretty and clean on the outside, but on the inside, your hearts are filthy and like dead, rotting bones. And you are actually in worse shape then the publicans, the tax collectors, the harlots said, in fact, they will enter the kingdom ahead of you. And that's the kind of Jesus that the New Testament portrays to us. He is the Jesus who looks beyond all of the artificial human social status uh, signals. And he looks and he says, I'm looking for people who know that they're sinners. I'm looking for people that the world has cast aside. And the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that not many of those who are rich and smart and famous, powerful, not many of those are called. But God delights in calling those who are on the lowest rung of the ladder. That's why I love so much ministering to the gypsies in Bulgaria. I tell you what, here, here's a whole class of people that are just despised by almost everybody. And I... When I'm with them, I feel like I'm with the people that Jesus would go to if he were here in person in a physical body. 
that he wouldn't be going to the religious elite. He wouldn't be hobnobbing with the politically powerful. He wouldn't be fellowshipping with the rich merchants. Now, he wouldn't exclude them, but he would focus on those who had the least and were the most despised and rejected. And then my text for today is in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, beginning in verse 13. I've already preached my sermon. I'm reading my text. So some of you think, well, if that was the introduction, you're just now reading your text, we're going to be here a while. No, I've already preached most of my sermon. And they were bringing children to Jesus that he could touch them. They were, and this word for children is really little children. It's more like infants. It's more like babies and and toddlers. It's not uh, there may have been some older children, but most this is this is the word for little children, infants. They were bringing little babies to Jesus so he could touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. Now, sometimes I get kind of amused at the disciples, and then I think, you know, we'd have probably been doing the same thing. And the disciples were saying, no, oh, you, 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 you people get away. This is Jesus. He, we're on our way to Jerusalem. But when Jesus saw it, and when he saw the disciples pushing them back, he was indignant with them. And he said to his disciples, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. He said, these little children, they're so dependent. They're helpless. They know they're helpless. Now, um, children can be a real pain, can't they? They can keep you up all night sometimes. They can uh, cry and they can do all kinds of things. But when it comes right down to it, they are totally dependent. They're dependent. These little babies especially, they can't get up and go do something themselves. They, they're dependent on somebody else and Jesus said that's that's what the kingdom is like it's those who are dependent innocent like these little children and and they brought these babies to Jesus and he would hold them he would love them now listen we've just read in the text prior to this that Jesus said to his disciples I'm I'm going to Jerusalem and there, I'm going to be betrayed by one of you. I'm going to be abandoned by all of you. And I'm going to be arrested by some of the most cruel and vicious people. And they're going to put me to death in the most vicious way that you can imagine. Now, he's announced that three different times to his disciples. And he's on his way to Jerusalem. This has to be on his mind. What he's facing. And it has to be on his disciples' mind. And for Jesus, knowing where he was going and what he was facing, to stop 
in the midst of all that and say, you bring those little babies to me. Bring those little toddlers to me and let me hug them. Let me hold them. Let me embrace them. Let me bless them because that's what the kingdom of God is like. And I tell you, this just said to me as I studied this this last week, no matter how much pressure we are under, no matter how much pressure he was under, pressure he was under, he said, I still have time to bless and to love and to help the weakest, the poorest, and those who can do nothing back for me. And that's who God is like. God is like that. He looks at this world and he says, I'm looking for those who will say, I'm nobody. I'm a sinner. I have failed. I've messed up. I don't deserve anything good. But like a little baby, I'm just saying, Jesus, will you will you receive me? Will you will you hold me? Will you take me? Will you bless me? And Jesus said, Yes, that's the ones I'm looking for. That's what the kingdom is like. The kingdom is like those who know that even if they have dirty diapers, they need somebody to love them. And look, that's that's who we all were or maybe are to this day. And so Jesus says, this is what the Father is like. When you've seen me, you see what God is like. What, I, what, I, what I'm like, I'm like, person who looks around and those who think they've got it all together I say to them I guess you don't need me but those who know that they are weak they know that they failed they know that they're disenfranchised pushed away marginalized he says those are the ones that the father is interested in and he runs to. Jesus told a story about a prodigal son who went off and squandered all of his money, his inheritance money. And when the boy comes back home, and this must have totally blown the minds of all those who listened, as they were expecting the father to go out to the son and pay him back for all he had done. But Jesus said when the father saw the son coming, he ran to him not to pay him back, but to welcome him back, to win him back. And I'm telling you, God runs to us today. He runs to those who are weak and worn out, have failed and sinned, and they've messed up their life. God runs to them. And he says, I haven't come to punish you. Your sin is already doing that. I've come to forgive you. I've come to welcome you. I've come to love you. And not only is that what Jesus is like and what the Father is like, it's what he wants us to be like. 
He said, if I have shown grace to you, then now you show grace to others. If I've forgiven you, then you forgive others. I say love one another even as I have loved you. And that's our responsibility. So we go out into the world today and we look at people not through eyes of evaluation and judgment and condemnation. We look for those who are saying, I need uh, forgiveness. I need acceptance. I need love. And we start by showing it right in our own homes. That's why the Bible says, husbands, husbands, love your wife like Jesus loved you. That's that's my model. I I can read a hundred books on uh, uh, how to be a good husband, but none of them will, will improve on that command right there. Husbands, the way the way Jesus has loved you, that's why you love your wife. Wives, the way the church loves Jesus, that's the way you're to love your husband. Honor, respect your husband. And and then with outside the family, Jesus redefined the whole definition of neighbor what is our who is our neighbor a man came to jesus we'll look at this next time jesus said love your neighbor as yourself and he said well who's my neighbor and jesus told an amazing story in which a hated despised samaritan was the hero of the story and That's what Jesus says to us. He says, now, this is what the Father is like. This is what I'm like. And just as the Father is in me and enables me to be like the Father, now I am in you to enable you to be like me. And even as the Father has sent me, even so I send you. Not Not to be religious, but to be real. Not to be a a judge, but to be a, a vessel through which the love of Jesus can flow to other people. So that's who God is. And that's who Jesus revealed him to be. And it's who he wants us to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. For, for Jesus, Lord, I thank you. I know that all around the world today, people are trying to guess what you're like. They've made images in their own mind and even sometimes images of stone and metal and rock and, and, and they're asking the question, what is God like? What is he like? And Jesus came to say, This is what he's like. He loves you. He loves you so much. He doesn't want to see you destroy your life by sinning against him. 
And he is angry. He's angry at sin. But oh, how he loves you and me. And I just pray that you'll touch our hearts. Lord, draw us to that kind of love. And draw us, as the prophet Hosea said, I've drawn you with cords of love. Lord, let those cords of love wrap around our heart and pull us to you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.